Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody and welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Headlined by a bantamweight bout, Corey Sandhagen, Song Yadong, uh, number one con- or top contenders bout in the making kind of thing. Both guys would be, you know, ideally suited for a title fight anytime in the near future. So should be a thriller and a lot on the line. And honestly, it's a great card. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, perfectly solid uh, fight night card. Nothing to complain about. Other than our listeners, I just uh, I want to get in here real quick saying just to be like, mm-hmm. obviously, UFC 279 was utter chaos. Sure. Nothing made sense. No. More than one person approached the two of us on Twitter, which is mm-hmm. essentially like being accosted in the street. That's, it's true. Yeah. And, I, you, you're out there with your baseball hat and your dark glasses and your oversized hoodie and your juicy uh, couture pants. <laughs> You are not asking for you're not you're not there to be to be run up on. Exactly. I felt unsafe. I felt threatened. Yeah. And um, you have like in the street vibes. Yeah. 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 And you, you know, very bravely, uh, you know, stepped in to say we can't record another vivisection, which was the request I saw. Yeah. Uh, Connor's on vacation. Yeah. I just want to make it clear. We we would never do that. <laughs> so if some of you're out there expecting a Friday evening vivisection yeah, to somehow awesome. catch up with a card that has completely transformed 20 hours before the scheduled start time, that yeah. ain't gonna happen ever. It, no, it, it's it's true. <laughs> we should. I, I I was just willing to play it off. It's I'm I'm one of those people who'll be like. Oh yeah, we should totally do that sometime. No, yeah, you know, someday we'll totally, yeah. And then you good just idea, never again. good idea, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll, uh, well, uh, we'll reconnect and then block. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm more that kind of that kind of person, but uh, it, it should be noted that yeah, we are never going to re-record this show to catch up with the UFC. There's no way we could have predicted anything that happened there. Even banking it a week in advance didn't make a damn difference. Yeah. Although I did, I, I am proud of myself that I did pick Nate Diaz to win that main event. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean moments. I, yeah, once it once it all came to came to, and people kept coming to me and like, "Oh, what's your pick? What's your pick?" I'm like, "I'm picking Nate Diaz. I'm not picking Tony Ferguson at welterweight. Are you kidding?" Oh yeah, well, big deal. I picked Nate too. I just did it quietly and didn't tell anyone. Okay, there you, there you go. I'm also proud of myself. You mm. think you're the only one? Yeah, no, I know you got that girlfriend in Canada. She goes <laughs> to a different school. We were in Cape Cod. We met up. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, it was past tourist season. So, I mean, unfortunately, there weren't many people there to corroborate my story. But yeah. uh, one of these days. But she's totally real. And yeah. one day we'll all meet her. She's real. And she's so hot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even describe it. Don't ask me to describe it. <laughs> Especially not any details. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sandhagen versus Song. Yes. This card, this card rocks. Good, good. Yes, it does. Uh, it's very good. Um, it could be a much worse undercard, and this main event would still be yeah. blistering hot. Yeah. Very, very enticing. I suppose we di- we're diving in. Yeah, we might as well. We got a whole lot of fights to talk about. So. <sighs> it's true. Um, it's... Um, I didn't have the easiest time first looking at this, kind of figuring out how it would go. No? Um, at the more I looked, the more sort of, you know, expectations started to resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, based on what we've seen from Corey Sandhagen recently, yeah. I, I think we have seen him quite successfully, and I, I really uh, uh, praise him for this, um, building on his skill set and fixing specific flaws. Mm-hmm. that he has struggled with in the past, even just from, because in the Dillashaw fight, that was a more, you know, back foot evasive Sandhagen than we have often seen. Mm-hmm. It's often been hyper aggressive and loves to be in the pocket. And he was fighting like not just the tall guy, but the long guy in that fight. Mm-hmm. And he had some problems. Yeah. Arguably still won the fight, but 
he had some problems specifically with his footwork and his resets. Uh, these were occasions where Dillashaw caught him with both strikes and takedowns when Sanhagen would just put himself in a bad position trying to get out of the sights. And um, I think you can see he focused on those things, taking a similar approach against Piotr Jan with very good results. Yeah. Uh, granted, he lost, but I think we can we can pretty much agree it was the the most comprehensively good performance we've ever seen from Sandhagen. Yeah, no, he absolutely, he came out, he started fast the way he would hope, and then he was evasive and good enough at getting out of the pocket that even even if he got hit, Jan was never able to to chain so much together that it was like a major yeah. landslide momentum shift. Like Jan yeah. would, you would typically see out of a Piotr Jan yeah. fight. And there were a couple moments that edged on that, but they were also like the kind of stuff that only Piotr Jan can do. Yeah. Uh, insane combinations with like eight spinning strikes somehow changed together and somehow keeping track of a guy who is um, very much doing a good job of resetting and keeping his stance and staying in a balanced position. Mm-hmm. So that was really good to see. I thought Sanhagen looked incredibly solid, um, which is fantastic to see from a guy who was already such a great fighter. Yeah. And I think what this indicates is that we're probably going to see more of Sandhagen, the outfighter, going forward. He's he's clearly put a lot of time and energy into honing that style. And um, I think it only makes sense with his frame. And I think it makes a special sense here because uh, for as complete a fighter as Song Yudong is, his major limitation is that most of the good stuff he does happens in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And when he gets into the pocket, he's like uh, planted. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to come up with a more emphatic word for it because he's really planted. Mm-hmm. Uh, he digs the hell in and bites down and throws with huge power. And he does that. This is a huge credit to him. He does that miraculously well. Despite the obvious power he puts into his strikes, he's not a guy who's flinging himself off balance when he misses. Um, he's a really well-schooled striker. But yeah, that's how his style works. He wants to get in the pocket and put combinations together. They're beautiful combinations. They come off of defense. They're followed by defense, um, you know, working multiple angles, attacking the body. It's all fantastic. But if I'm Corey Sandhagen, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the Kyler Phillips fight mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, oh, OK, I got to keep him at bay. I have to rack up damage and points and I have to look for those moments when he thinks he's cornered me and he he, he seizes up and pl- and digs in his toes and then I just slip out the side. Yeah. And then maybe after he swings and misses, um, I do what I did at Piotr Jan, and I pile on right after him from an angle. I hit him with jabs, one, one, two, um, and punish him uh, in addition to forcing him to reset. And I think in the broad picture, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, in the broad picture, that looks to me like a fight I have more faith in Corey Sandhagen winning over five rounds. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I kind of just expect this fight to look a lot like Piotr Jan versus Corey Sandhagen round one. Right. Where we're going to have all the way through. Yeah. Where we're going to have Sandhagen coming out and he is going to be targeting multiple locations pretty quickly with kicks, head, body, legs, especially the body and the legs, mm-hmm. throwing in combination. And we'll see Song Yudong sitting down on the in the pocket, looking for big counters, and you know finding his mark with with reasonable regularity. Sure, like I said, but, he hits the body too. He's going to find yeah. those openings for sure. Yeah. Um, but Sandhagen, like he's tough. He's really tough. Yeah. You know, this isn't somebody that you're likely to knock out with one shot at a time. And Song Yudong is a combination, he's a good combination puncher. Yeah. But he's not the highest paced fighter in the world. You know, he can, 
he he can hit a reasonably high pace against Marlon Vera and Casey Kenny, but it's still, you know, if you look at like his fight with Julio Arce, mm-hmm. where Arce was out there, you know, trying to play sort of an imitation of the maybe the kind of game that you you would expect Corey Sandhagen to do out here. Yes, yeah. Um, Song Yudong didn't, you know, he didn't get a lot of chances to throw a lot. Right. He really had to take and force those opportunities. And he got hit a lot in that fight. I mean, I, I say hit a lot. He actually, you know, Arce apparently only landed 13 significant, uh, 13 strikes over the fight. But mm-hmm. certainly in the first round, it felt like a pretty close. The stats on this are really wild, honestly. They, they don't really paint the picture. I have to yeah. imagine there's some blocked head kicks and stuff in there that are being counted or something. But yeah, Arce, I, Arce did a good job. And yeah. if wasn't beating Song Yudong necessarily at any point. He definitely did succeed in exposing that particular yeah. flaw. Yeah, and it just it was a hesitant fight from Song Yudong and a rangy performance from Arce, and it didn't pay off for him. But Sandhagen throws a whole lot more than Julio Arce. Mm-hmm. And I know? think he's more durable. Yeah, I, he's and, much more durable, and he throws a lot more. He throws a lot more than just about anybody, you know? And he's bigger. Yeah. And if Song Yudong is going to be stuck at the edge of range in a fight where he can reasonably complete, compete and plant his feet and throw with power and he's not going to knock Corey Sandhagen out, I just see too much offense coming back his way. Yeah. That's just all there is to it, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't... Song Yudong, like, it, it, was a, it was a good thing in the RSA fight. He showed some ability to adjust... And to force exchanges and create the punches that he wanted in ways that he hadn't before. Mm -hmm. But it's not at the level of Piotr Jan. You know, there's still, I don't, I've never seen Song Yudong have a momentum building performance. You know, the the Kyler Phillips fight was sort of a fight where Phillips just kind of slowed down as the fight went on. Yep. And the more he slowed down, the more he started to collide with Song Yudong, and the more they started to trade in the pocket. Yep. But every time he reset to his sort of disciplined approach, he was still able to yeah. make make Song Yudong look a little cumbersome. Yeah. And otherwise, in fights like with Casey Kenny, with uh, Marlon Vera, with Cody Stamen, they've been like flat, consistent, good performances all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, he he can win those kinds of fights. He's he, he can just be really tough and and powerful. And technically, I mean, moment yeah, to moment, sharp. he's unbelievably fast. Yeah. But he is also, like I said, a very well-schooled um, boxer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good defense, good jabs, like the combinations are intelligent and varied. Yeah. Um, he's great. It's just that limitation of, of range and he's, he's young. I think he has yet to, I, I do think we've seen some growth in the yeah. more recent fights, like against Arce. One of the reasons Arce, while he was able to make song reset a bunch, one of the reasons he wasn't able to get anything off and did ultimately get punished is, um, that song Yudong pressured with a lot more feints than I think I've seen from him in the yeah. past. Yeah. He seemed to have a little better grasp of, um, if these are going to be the moments where, you know, when I dig in, that's when the opponent gets away from me and I I'm slower to adjust, then I need to not just anticipate those movements, but draw them out, um, mm-hmm. take hold of the initiative, and then I can choose the right moment to plant. And he yeah. still didn't find a lot of them. Arce was very evasive. Um, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying is like he, he that fight to me, he, it showed me him creating more of yes. his own opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than just letting the pocket kind of come to him, because the other yeah. fights you described, these are guys who just have to get into his range. And in those fights, at worst, he's always going to be like 50 50 competing because he's mm-hmm. so he's so good in that range. But it's not like I say, I don't think it to date. It has yet to be a momentum building thing for Song Yudong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a tra- it, you know, maybe we're getting to a point where now he's 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 able to solve people a little bit where he's. Yeah seeing creating things and he can kind of get a, a, a feel for what they're doing 
and respond to that better than he used to. Because, you know, that was kind of one of the things with Song Yudong in the past is that he he wasn't really a very responsive fighter. He was a very technical, very tough, very um, powerful fighter. But you could kind of bring the same fight to him over and over again, and he'd have the same fight over and over right. again. Right. Or, or, yeah, and you could bring his fight to him, and that's all he'd be ready for, and you could surprise him like yeah, uh, like Cody Stamen did with well-timed takedowns or, you know, whatever. He's yeah. He wasn't um, particularly responsive is a good word. Responsive yeah. to the different matchups he was faced yeah. with. And so I think that's growing, but I have yet to see it be something that turns into I'm shutting you down and I'm taking momentum out of into this fight. Like I am building to a point that your offense doesn't work as well. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's the the strategic side of fighting that he's growing, still very much growing into. Yeah. And that is something that I, you know, like that is, that is a big thing in Peter Jan's arsenal. And that is something that allowed him to take a fight where, you know, he wasn't, maybe he didn't even win the first round. Yeah. Man, I've even won the first two rounds. Of that right. Fight, yeah. Yeah. But he was able he's able to solve opponents and then capture and build momentum as mm-hmm. he goes and create more and more and more off of what he sees. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the faith that Song Yudong is there yet. Yeah. Now at there's which, go on. Go on. I have to say, which, at which point I just have to pick, you know, I, I know Corey Sandhagen's not going to stop throwing. And if he's evasive at all and if he can if he can be evasive at all and he can out throw song yudong then i gotta pick him to win yeah yeah i mean uh to, to to be fair um there's a first of all song yudong is like a jose aldo level athlete um, oh yeah no, no no he he's somebody that the moment i saw him in the octagon i'm like this guy is, this guy is a future title contender yeah at the very worst like yeah. the worst outcome for song yudong is it he will fight for UFC gold someday. Might not be right now, might not be this year, might not be next year, but in the next three years, I would even say he will be fighting for the belt. He's so young and is already really uh, well-rounded and and has a ton of experience already. Ton of experience. You know, I don't like to see fighters go pro in their teens because I think they tend to, uh, tends to make them break down early in their careers. But even on that fear... He is still so young that I would still expect him to have another good six or seven years in him. You right. Know? Yeah. And and having that tremendous athleticism often means um, when a, a certain switch gets flipped, uh, he could make uh, a change very quickly. Yeah. I mean, I mean we, we, we've already seen him respond really quickly to losses. I mean, huh? um, the fight with Cheeto Vera. Or no, no, no. Um, the fight with uh, with Kyler Phillips he kind of came back and was like, what if I do that in his very yeah. next fight and did a really good job of fighting more evasively off the back foot, more of a counter punching kind of game. Huh. Um, there is some flexibility there um, already growing. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is that the, the adjustment Piotr Jan made is not entirely one song. You couldn't just yeah. sort of stumble across because ultimately it was, what if I just walk forward and let this guy start throwing and initiate trades. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it started. Walk yeah. in with the guard up, pick off the first couple shots or just ignore them and then out punch him. And yeah. um, there's a possibility there, but I still think that required Piotr Jan's special ability to change direction and kind of hold back on that fully committed rush until he knew he had Sandhagen out of position or um, unwary. Yeah. Uh, after the resets, I mean, a lot of his best moments, like the knockdown in round three, were after Sandhagen would hit like three defensive moves, it'd be on a completely new angle, and no one would expect that Piotr Jan could somehow still be on top of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was. He he knew where he was headed. He was picking up on all these details of movement. Spent that entire first two rounds figuring out where to find him later in the exchanges. Yeah. That's something I have not seen from Song Yudong yet. Yep. I agree. It, it, I mean, and it, if maybe he brings it to this fight, maybe it, it's yeah. just there now. And if it is, I won't be shocked. He is sure. the level of athlete who can just add that kind of stuff onto his game. I'm not yep. going to doubt him, but 
I also think that Sandhagen is sort of in his moment right now. I, w- I agree with you that like he's really been looking great lately, and mm-hmm. you know it feels very much like his moment to uh, be a, be the top contender in the yeah. bantamweight division. I mean, Piotr Jan's a pound for pound great, and um, that matchup was not such a loss where you can't imagine Sandhagen making a few key adjustments and winning a rematch. Like yeah. he was that competitive with such a great fighter. Um, he's, he's really, really strong. And I, yeah, this is his prime and uh, yeah. So five rounds too. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a ton of reason to think Song Yudong slows down, but I've never seen him deal with a guy Sandhagen's size and pace. And I know Sandhagen can go five very hard rounds. Yeah. And I mean, we have seen in the past earlier in his career, his fights with like, Vince Morales, yeah. where he and that one and the and the Stamen one, he tired yeah. out and the Stamen one and Cheeto Vera, he was like toe to toe, perfectly matching his pace at a very high paced fight, but he also yeah. uh, didn't have to deal with any wrestling, and that is also something that Stan, uh, Sandhagen might very well look for as a piece of his like back foot drawing you in, making you reset kind of game is when can I hit a good reactive takedown? And we've also seen that work quite well against song. I get the feeling that that might work here. I don't, I don't personally think that Sandhagen has the, um, I don't think he creates the posture and drive for a takedown in a way that would favor him well if he did not here. I, st- I think it's a later round. Yeah. It, 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 like, he can hit those Gustafson takedowns. Like, yeah. perfect shots, no, but the timing is right. The opponent's chasing you. Uh, I can very much see that happening in the context of a fight where, uh, as I said, he's just drawing his opponent on for yeah. minutes at a time. You see That's the opening, true. go for it. it. It might work. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Odds on the fight, Corey Sandhagen opened at minus 160, dropped to minus, uh, damn it, 220, and is currently at minus 199. Song Yudong opened at plus 140, dropped to plus 185, is currently plus 164. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. We've seen Sandhagen in several of these kind of fights. He's always really good and really competitive in them. At the top of the division, and for Song Yudong, like, you know, uh, he's beat other top contenders on their own rise, in at least with Marlon Vera. But he has yet to really kind of swim in the top of this division much. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Uh, you know, we have less faith, reason to have faith that he's going to win a big five-round fight. You know, that he's going to come prepared for the late fight adjustments that are necessary and for the pace and all that. So I can see why he'd be the underdog, but definitely don't think he should be extending far beyond where he's at now. He's too dangerous and too technical and Mm -hmm. too good an athlete. Yeah, it's like we never, I mean, Sandhagen's incredibly tough, but uh, we've seen him dropped. You never know. Songadong. The, the head kicks he threw against Julio Arce, I, I don't think I've ever seen kicks that fast. Yeah. Like, he's just a really, really dangerous guy, Song Yudong. So. Oh, yeah, no, no, a- no. He's, he is an insane athlete, absolute top tier, no question. Rare, A rare, you know, top, top 2% in MMA kind of athlete. For sure. Yeah, it's just an awesome fight. Yeah, great fight. It's All a right. bantamweight fight. That's right. They're all good. They're all good fights. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to a middleweight fight. Chidi and Jaquani, Gregory Rodriguez. And um, this is a great fight, too. Like, this should just be a ton of fun. It perfectly meets both men's wheelhouse and the fight they want to have. Uh, as with every... Gregory Rodriguez fight in the middleweight division and this being the middleweight division he has a big opportunity to make this way easier on him mm-hmm. um, but I think we also just kind of if I were a gambling man mm-hmm. I would not bet on Gregory Rodriguez's jiu-jitsu 
mm-hmm. ever. Like it might come out and surprise you every now and then. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> when it when it uses it, it's amazing. But yeah, if we're we're on the still on the subject of like strategic thinking. Yeah, it's that's just, slacking. It's the it, it's just so clearly not what he wants to do. You know, it, it's 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 silly to say this, but so much of trying to think about how fighters fight. Yeah, and what their you know what their strategy in the cage is and how they're going to tackle this matchup and all that kind of stuff that fans like to get into their own mind of like, oh, you know, well, if I were going to fight this, well, I would do this. Like 90% of it is just what do they want to do? Yeah, that's that's called fighting style. Yeah. What you should do and what you want to do are two very different things. And under the extreme duress of a fist fight, what you want to do is what's usually going to happen. Yeah. And what Gregory Rodriguez wants to do is he wants to go out there and slug it out with people. And even when, I mean, he is going to hit takedowns. He's an incredible wrestler, great takedown artist, fantastic jujitsu. But even in that phase, what he wants to do there is not to control the opponent and slowly break them down. And he wants to hit like an electric submission um, and allow scrambles and transitions. It's it's a bit of that what we, you know, we talk about with like the classic team alpha male philosophy of grappling. You hit the takedown. Did you find the submission position within the first five seconds? No. Then land some shots and get out of there and we'll Mm -hmm. reset and do it all over again. Yeah. So what you're dancing, what you're essentially dancing around here is the obvious fact that uh, Gregor Rodriguez should just be able to take Chidi Njikwani down and do whatever he wants. Yeah, but they're going to have an incredibly 50-50 fight. This is going to be the Armin Petrosian fight all over again. Yeah. Except that uh, Njikwani is a little more well-rounded and a little more... um, Dangerous, certainly. Dangerous and strategically thoughtful than Petrosian. Mm-hmm. And possibly also a little lower output. Yeah. Petrosian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Petrosian so far has thrown a whole bunch of strikes whenever he's had the chance. Uh, he, th- he doubled up on Gregory Rodriguez's output in that fight. Yep. Lots of kicks. Yeah. And Njikwani won't do that. You give Njikwani time and space to work, and he's going to take his time. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to feel out. He, he's the kind of fighter that is really thinking hard about what the perfect f- strike to throw in any given situation is, mm-hmm. and then looking to unleash that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that all alone could make this fight incredibly close because. Yeah. You know, Rodriguez, he does, like, double up on the output even of Chidi and Njikawani. Yeah, he's he's got, like, a 60% higher strikes landed yeah. uh, than Njikawani over their uh, respective UFC careers. Yeah, he, he, will, he does not, he, even though he got doubled up on by uh, Petrosian, Rodriguez is not somebody who takes his time and thinks it out. <laughs> he is out there thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, what what are the best th- three hooks I can land on you at this moment? Yeah. And he's going to throw them. And, he's, and even he's, then. Even then, yeah. It doesn't have, have to be the best ones. It's just, well, I mean, and they're hooks. There's only two of them. So, you know. <laughs> He's I, I Rodriguez's boxing is is very solid. It yeah. is no, it is yeah. Good defense, great counters, uh, good short but intelligent combinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, hits the body like a pro. Uses has a great jab. Um, and even in a fight like the Petrosian one, he might have won. I mean, what yeah. was he? He got doubled up on, but he was also like wrecking Petrosian when he yeah. hit him clean. It was a fifty-fifty damage fight. Yes. When it came to who was doing damage, it was split straight down the middle just yeah. by one guy landing twice as many strikes as the other. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's not, I mean, an easy, it's not an easy one to figure out. It's not an easy fight to figure out because, yeah, you know, Rodriguez, part of the thing, he is a great boxer. He, put, he puts together great combinations, he throws good punches. 
but he does just kind of go out there and start going to work, you know, like Mm -hmm. his defense isn't bad, but it's such a secondary consideration to his offense that he's going to get hit a lot. And it's not that deep. You can overwhelm him if you are going to put volume on him. Like you, you get him going backwards. You get his stance to break down. His defense is like, I'm pressuring you. I'm going to do a wonderful slip and then counter the hell out of you. Yeah. It's not like back me up to the cage and I'm going to make you miss four shots in a row. No, that ain't happening. (sighs) But he's not going to get backed up. Like probably not. He's not (laughs) going to back anybody up. Cheesy and Jaquani is going to be happy on the back foot. Yeah. Yeah. So you're seeding the you're seeding the the uh, pressure and the volume to Rodriguez, and then you so you're really just asking is Njikawani at this point in his career dangerous and technical enough to just go out there and ice Rodriguez with one shot or with you know what two or three shots in the midst of an all-out war. I would say the answer is yes, but that doesn't really say what's going to happen in the fight. <laughs> yeah. What's the structure leading up to that? How reliable is what Chidi and Jaquani has been doing? And, and I still am of the opinion that, you know, not very is the answer. Like, yeah, it's been great to see him get these incredibly violent wins in the UFC. But we, we've looked at the rest of his career plenty of times by now. It's not yeah. the norm. No, I keep hedging against him all yeah. the time. This is a dude who lost to Jeremy Kimball yeah. at one point. Yeah. You know, like. Granted, quite a while ago, and he's not often getting finished. And No, yeah. But you look at his fights, it's like you're too easy to take down. You're too passive from your back. You're, you're usually too passive on the feet. Yeah. And are you just going to let these finishes come to you? How long are they going to keep coming that easy? But. I think I'm going to pick Cheaty. I'm yeah. just going to go ahead and say that Rodriguez marches himself right into the teeth of Njikawani's offense and eats yeah. something huge. And Chidi Njikawani comes out with another win because I'm tired of hedging against Chidi Njikawani on the off chance that this is the point where his clearly flawed game plan falls to pieces. Yeah. I guess I'll take Rodriguez just because I think this is really 50-50 looking fight. I, I can totally see Gregory landing some big shots, looking super confident and just like ducking into a knee. Like, yeah, he has been flash KO'd before. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He's been, he's been knocked out by Jordan Williams, right? He's been knocked out by much worse fighters who just swing and hit hard because yeah, he's not the most durable guy on earth. And, no. uh, and he's so aggressive. He's in the fire the whole time. Yeah. Like it doesn't really matter. He, he is the kind of fighter where, doesn't necessarily matter how technical his striking is. Yeah. He is always going to be putting himself in the fu- in the line of, of fire. He's always going to be in harm's way. Yeah, but he, he can be taken down. And even if that's not a um, Rodriguez doesn't have the full like strategic understanding of how to use those takedowns. People have also just taken and Jaquani down good enough grapplers and gotten yeah. those quick submissions or beaten him up and broken him with ground and pound. I mean, Koroshkov beat him on the ground. Yeah. John Salter choked him out in the first round. There's um, every reason to pick Rodriguez here. Honestly. And there's every reason to pick GD. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it should be a fun fight. Interesting style clash. Neither guy really reliable enough to, to, uh, to, to say bet on, in my opinion. Yeah. And Jaquani opened at minus 145, jumped up to minus 105, is currently at minus 120. Surprised that odd, those odds are getting at all wider, honestly. Rodriguez mm-hmm. opened at plus 125, dropped to minus 115, is currently minus 102. Good so, enough. Coin flip. Yeah, I don't... Those odds are starting to skew away from each other. I don't... I don't like that. I don't, I don't see the space in this fight. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to Andre Feely, Bill Algio, and uh, this is one of those ironic MMA math fights, honestly, I think. Uh, oh, how's that? I'm not sure I picked up on that. Because Feely just went out and absolutely got iced. Oh, right, right. I, jo Anderson Brito. 
Right. And Bill Algio just went out a couple fights ago and absolutely took the fight and won a war against two and won a war against and- Joe Anderson Brito. Yep. And I have the feeling that Andre Feely is going to beat Bill Algio. Yeah, right. I'm not super confident, though. Not super um, confident. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would pick Feely to beat Brito if they were to fight again. Um, I don't you know. know that I would. No? No. He just got knocked out in 40 seconds. I mean, yeah, but his chin, is never, his chin has been up for eight years now. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. It's never going to come down. No, no, but he's not always getting finished. He gets hurt. Charles Jordan dropped him. It didn't, you know, he's he's still a very tough, scrappy fighter who, yeah. um, in this stage of his career, has quite a lot of, like, disciplined technique to fall back on when things go wrong. Sure, he's I'm just saying, wrestling. I, I, I guess what I would say is, there are any number of times that Andre Feely might get dropped by that shot and come back to win. Yeah. But I would always see him in the fight getting hit with that same shot. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's perfectly fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, the difference here is that um, Aljo's not that instantaneously dangerous. He's not that fast. No. Um, he's absolutely not at no, all. Not, not even close. He's he's still more than dangerous enough to hurt people um, and find really sneaky creative shots. I'm still impressed with that knee he caught uh, Ricardo Lamas with in his UFC debut. I would, but, I would be interested to know when the last time... Uh, Bill Algio finished somebody without them being really tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? He's credited with a switch kick TKO in the second round against Scott Heckman. Yeah, but do I do do, I I would have to, like, I'm probably thinking maybe like that first round rear naked choke against Mike Pope in 2014, mm -hmm. maybe. Second and third round, TKOs, KOs, whatever. Right. The, the way the Geo fights, yeah. I'm assuming those guys were exhausted. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. The kind of pace he puts on every single finish, except for mm-hmm. like two, is second half of the second round or later. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think that's a particularly um, reliable sort of approach against a guy like Andre Feely, who has really solid conditioning moves around really well. Um, my first instinct here, too, was that it's going to be a problem for Algio that Feely's so big. Yeah. That he fights long and, you know, has these great kicks and that great jab. Um, but that could, it occurred to me, that could be just as much a problem for Feely. Yeah. You look at Feely's record, most of the guys who have really, like, comprehensively beaten him are, like, tall, long guys who can fight at range. Uh, sure, there's at no, least a few of them. Well, Cater, Rodriguez, even Godofredo Pepe, Max Holloway, yeah, Bryce Mitchell to an extent. That does make me ask a key question, though. Bill Aljo is a tall, long guy, but can he fight at range? Yeah, kind of. He, not he, really. He doesn't. Ever. <laughs> it's not something he ever chooses to do. He'll land the first shot from far away. Yeah, but it's, everything <laughs> is pressing him straight into being nose to nose with his opponent. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he's going to be eating some nasty jabs and straight punches while he's setting up that surge into the pocket. Yeah. And when he gets in there, he is going to have to deal with Philly's wrestling. And. Algio's not a bad wrestler. I mean, his takedown defense statistically in the UFC is like 50%, but um, the vast majority of control time opponents have actually netted is clinch wrestling him against the fence. Like, yeah, keeping him down isn't easy. No, he's, he, is, he is a nonstop motor, hard-to-control, tough-out fighter. That is yeah. just, that is how he lives. Really tricky, nonstop, Matt wrestler, great escapes, yeah. great scrambles. Um, but there's still something. And we talked uh, just a bit ago about the team alpha male wrestling. Mm-hmm. Andre Feely is the best Matt wrestler to come out of that team, actually. <laughs> like, you wouldn't expect it. Like, you look at his frame, you're like, oh, yeah. this is this guy's bound to be the, the Luke Rockhold of that team. He's going to have great. No, no. He hits great shots. And he has demonstrated on more than one occasion some really nice, like, still scrambly. He's Mm -hmm. not getting in your guard and holding you there the whole time. But he has shown 
ability and the desire to keep people down. And I, I do look at what ultimately happened to Algio in that fight with Lamas, yeah. where Algio, hard fight, tons of exchanges. He was the one who wore out. Yeah. And Lamas in that third round, 10 aided him. I mean, across all three judges scorecards, just by out wrestling him, Al- Algio's t- tenacious scrambling against somebody who can deal with it and who knows how to ride and break people back down and Matt return them can be, he, he can be taking chunks out of himself because he can't stop moving. Yeah. He can't stop. He's given up the takedown. So he's got to keep scrambling and fighting and, um, great mat wrestlers will, uh, yeah, let you run into the wall over and over and over until there's no choice but to just accept a bad position. Um, Lamas is better at that than Feely, but Feely has shown an ability to do that. He's got the range. He's a fairly dangerous striker with reach. He's going to sting Algio at a range where Algio is not used to people being able to touch him. I'm, I'm inclined to take Feely, but... Uh, I think there's also reason to suspect where exactly Feely is at. We've seen him go win-loss, win-loss for long periods. I, I have no reason to think he's done, but I'm a little suspicious. Getting knocked out instantly, several losses in a row. They've still I mean, been to, good performances, but... To, to Feely's credit, he didn't actually get knocked out, knocked out by Joe Anderson Brito. He just... Well, yeah. He went down, and he couldn't rec- he, he couldn't you know he was still awake he couldn't he just couldn't recover enough to actually get back to his feet yeah and it's not like this is like the bryce mitchell fight a fight which no. by the way he's still comported himself quite well i thought yeah yeah he you know he he made a the best that he could out of a very very crafty incredibly good scrambling and super grappler. well-rounded fighter who also you know was competing with him on the feet but feely was competing everywhere too yeah so, and then yeah, otherwise, I mean, the big thing that that I would say dictates more of uh, Feely's losses than anything else mm-hmm. is that they almost all come to guys that are power strikers or electric, like really lightning, you know, surprising yeah. fighters. They're fantastic athletes. Um, yeah. God afraid of Pepe even, you know, he may be, he, he may be kind of for, a forgotten figure now, but at the point that he beat Feely, yeah, he was an electric grappler. Yeah. Super Dyn- dangerous. Dynamic everywhere. Yeah. Absolute dynamo. Mm-hmm. And Algio is not. Yeah. Algio is just not a great athlete. He is a, you know, he is grit and heart and determination. And he's out there. To, he's out there for to reap the Herbert Burnses of the world. Yes, for sure. Be like, oh, you're a technique guy who can't keep it together if the fight gets too hard. Mm-hmm. I am going to put the hardest fight on you you have ever seen in your life. For sure. Al is a guy who's like happy if he loses the first round. Uh, provided the pace was where he wanted yeah. it to be. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. He's he's a he's a breaker. Yeah. And, yeah, I just don't think that that's going to break Andre Feely. I think no. that he can hang with and scramble with Algio every step of the way Yep. and then can outland him when they're standing. And You, you Algio, can finish him, but breaking yeah. him by degrees has proven to be next to impossible. Exactly. And so that, that's why I was you know saying at the very beginning that this is kind of one of those... MMA math fights where mm-hmm. they had they had very starkly different outcomes against the same guy, but that is not going to the actual. I mean, kind of the best thing that you can get to inform out of the Joanders and Brito fight is that Brito hit Algio with all the exact same shots that he hit Andre Feely with. Mm-hmm. Algio is just that stupid tough, like he is absolutely you know that is the backbone of his game is that you can break yourself on him Mm -hmm. because he is so hard to hurt and feely isn't that hard to hurt but you know he's also way less likely to break himself on bill algio yep it's just not a thing that andre feely does you don't think of feely fights and think oh yeah he really worked his way out of that fight Mm -hmm. so another great matchup 
yeah, it's a great fight. I love it. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good fight for Feely. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. No doubt. Odds on the bout. Andre Feely is the favorite. Opened at plus 140. Dropped to minus 124. It's currently still sitting at minus 124. Bill Algio opened at minus 160. Jumped to plus 104. It's currently at plus 101. So, yeah, I like the way those odds have skewed over time. I even think you could go a little wider on Feely. I mean, I know he's coming off the loss here. Um, but it's... Uh, this just feels too much like, you know, it feels like a Jar- the Charles Jordan fight or Miles Jury fight. Yeah. You know, or even Dennis Bermudez. Like, these were all really energetic, tough opponents for Feely. And he just hung with them and outworked them. Yep. Yep, agreed. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout Alan Amadovsky Joe Pfeiffer I think really the big surprise here is just that Amadovsky is still in the UFC yeah no kidding don't worry though folks out there listening the good fights aren't done they just stuck this one in here yeah they just I mean it's a middleweight <laughs> this won't be bad this won't be bad to watch no no it'll be Amadovsky is one of he, he's one of those guys that he's he's not good enough to have a bad fight right exactly He's not going to control anything. He's not going to turn, you know, he's not going to, he, he doesn't have it in him to cling to anyone. Mm-hmm. He's just going to go out there and try to hit Joe Piper as hard as he can, as quick as he can. <laughs> if that fails, he'll melt down. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to assume that'll fail. Yeah. A pretty decent, well-collected fighter who, you know, other than running straight into a guillotine at one point early in his career, his other losses getting his arm broke yeah and he hits hard he fights pretty consistently he's got he's tough he's a good athlete can change it up with some wrestling and other things should be a very winnable fight mm-hmm. yeah and neither of those things is likely to happen here yeah Amadowski, super hittable super predictable aggressive powerful fun despite himself but uh mm-hmm. yeah pretty pretty straightforward pick for yeah. play not durable, yeah. not mentally that uh, collected. You know, mm-hmm. like I say, he's he's got a fighter where when th- when something starts going a little wrong, you can see him starting to. Well, he doesn't have the resources to compensate and and come up with a backup plan. Like there's only a couple things he could do. So yeah, when you've got when you've got jo- Joseph Holmes going out there and just icing you in a minute, yeah, then you've got you've got problems. For sure. Uh, odds on the bout, Pfeiffer is a prohibitive favorite. Opened at minus 300. It's currently out at minus 452. Alan Amadovsky opened at plus 250. It's currently up at plus 341. Yeah, that, that tracks. I, there's nobody in the UFC I would pick Amadovsky to beat. Even even like Duran Wynn, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even the five the, the the five foot six middleweight, I would be like, no, that guy's got him. No, Pretty no much. question. All right. That brings us to a heavyweight bout. Tanner Bozer, Rodrigo Nascimento. Uh like this fight. I uh, you know, it's fine for an unranked heavyweight fight. Could be much, much, much worse. Yeah. Uh, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be Barnett Collier. No. Which no. is the greatest fight of all time. My God, that is <laughs> the all-time pantheon. Is like you know, Fedor Krokop, Lawler versus uh, McDonald too. McDonald too, and uh, you know Aldo versus Mendez too, and then Barnett versus uh, Collier. Yeah, right. and those are in those are in reverse order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, as far as heavyweight fights go, we've got an interesting dynamic here. Actually, I like Nascimento quite a lot. Yeah, he's he's, he's slow. Freaking... Yeah, he's slow footed, and um, but he's tough. He's got staying power, mm-hmm. and once he kind of gets rolling, he's actually like not bad on the feet at all. 
Yeah, he he has he has to kind of convince himself that he right. can have a boxing match. A lot of what you see out of him early in fights is he'll blitz in on somebody and then try to out-wrestle them. Yeah, it was almost a relief when Alan Baudot, like, started beating him up in much of the first round, in a way. Yeah. He was like, yeah. oh, okay, I, I just have to go out there and beat him. And then he did it very successfully. Looked yeah. great doing it. Body shots, combinations, uppercuts, mm-hmm. uh, three-punch uh, three combos, like, very nice. Um, this does still kind of look to me like a fight that Tanner Boza usually wins. Yeah. Because big lumbering guys who have to get him to stand right in front of them for him, uh, for them to do anything. Um, Tanner Boza likes those fights. Yep. Super mobile. He's moving constantly. He's got tremendous conditioning for a heavyweight. He's very fast. And um, you're going to have a hard time using that excellent grappling and um, especially when your wrestling isn't all that much to write home about, if you just can't keep him in front of you. Yeah. He, he can do a lot of what Alan Baudot had early on without the thing that always happens to Alan Baudot happening, which is he panics and tires himself out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think Bozer can uh, can kind of just befuddle Nascimento, but I'm still curious to see what Nascimento might be able to get done. He's going to be pressuring He's probably going to get beaten up enough that he decides he has to go for it. And Bozer doesn't have great defense. Uh, he's got a lot of footwork, but it's not like it's particularly good Yeah. in the in the technical details. He can still get trapped against the fence. He can still get hit in the body uh, and possibly tied up and taken down. And at that point, Nascimento is a very big dude with some solid grappling skills. So um, I'm taking Bozer, but uh, I'm still I, I wouldn't say it's a lock. Yeah, I'd be, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see. I, I, I guess I'm kind of assuming this will go to a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what round three of this will look like. Yeah, because Nasimento, like we do, I think we both kind of have a feeling like he gets better as the fight goes on. Yes, you know, he when he settles down, when he has to really think about and like work his way through the fight, he starts to make better decisions. He starts to do do things better. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, before he started this string of knockouts, and he could knock Nascimento out, Boza's, he's fast and he has a habit of, he can surprise people. He's gotten mm-hmm. in the UFC, he's get, become a more active, um, more confident striker. And yeah. it's, it's good because it you, makes good use of his speed that he can t- catch people off guard. He's, you know, he's kind of been on that Chris Dowkow's kick a bit where it's like, okay, this isn't the prettiest boxing I've ever seen, but yeah. you're really fast for a heavyweight. And that surprises some people. Yeah. He's going to move to your side and you're going to take a, you know, 50% speed step to cut him off. And he's going to dart in and crack you before you see yeah. it. It works. And then, you know, the other side of that is that before he got to the UFC, the big thing that Tanner Bozer had that defined him as a heavyweight was cardio was just like, he is the guy that is going to have the ugliest slog of a fight with you for two and a half or three rounds. Yeah. And in that third round, he is going to be the one fresh pushing the pace. Mm -hmm. And, um, we don't know what that looks like for Nascimento because he hasn't been there, you know? Yeah. You get the impression he gets better, but he is a a big heavyweight. You kind of yeah. have to assume maybe he slows down, but also again, like he seems to start with some nerves and then kind of calm yeah. down. And it's so far we've seen some hints that I mean that's why it's an interesting heavyweight fight, yeah. I guess. Like third yeah. round prospects yeah. is something you don't you usually fear in a heavyweight matchup. And in this one, I'm interested to see it. Yeah, I'm actually interested to see. Okay, what happens if Tanner Bozer is out there being quick and like frustrating Nascimento for two rounds and then they get to the third is Nascimento has he picked up on things has he made adjustments is Bozer just going to be fresher and push the pace like I got to pick Bozer here because I've seen him win so many of those fights in the past right but uh yeah I'm I'm interested to see what Nascimento can do with it because mm-hmm. I don't think you know he did get shocked by Dowkhouse out there it could happen but I Bozer's his striking isn't as nearly as reliable as Dowkhouse's. It's yeah. it's sort of like it's a trick that's been added to his game late in his career as he's gotten more confident. 
And I think it's probably an adjustment that a lot of his opponents have already started to make with him. Like he didn't, he didn't have that fight with OSP. That was, that turned into a grind. Yeah. And also Dalkos is just totally same, some of the same physical characteristics, but very different styles. Yeah. I think if you're going to catch Nascimento, you catch him while he's still in the process of figuring out that he's in a fight and he can actually do things. You Dalkos just ran at him and hit him a bunch and like, um, that's not really something I've ever seen Tanner Bozer do. No, he's going to try to dance around and find angles and crack you with some surprising shots. You didn't exactly. See yeah. So yeah, I, I have, I have uh, reasonably measured hopes, heavyweight yeah. hopes for Nascimento. He's 29. He's got a lot of solid fundamentals and he is the rare heavyweight who actually seems to maybe build into a winning fight rather than just having to win the slobber, mo- slobber knocker in the first uh, three minutes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you got to pick Bozer until until I see it. Got to pick Bozer. Bozer opened at minus two twenty and has been rising in the past few days from minus two ten to minus one seventy eight. Nascimento opened at plus one eighty five, currently down at plus one forty seven. That that seems fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, reasonable favorite for Bozer, small underdog for Nascimento. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. All right, that brings us to another middleweight bout. Anthony Hernandez. Mark Andre Barrio, and uh, incredibly middleweight. All, all middleweight fights are middleweight fights, at least on this card. Mm-hmm. Um, this one kind—I don't even know if I guess. I guess I don't even know if I should say especially so, but like Anthony Hernandez and Mark Andre Barrio are just such prototypical middleweights. Oh yeah. Now you know? that being said has every chance of being a very fun fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hernandez's last fight was honestly one of the best middleweight fights I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, we, we're getting... I think it's taken a little bit for me to figure out exactly who Anthony Hernandez is out there. Mm-hmm. Mostly because pretty much all he is is an aggressive opportunist. Yeah. Like, there's not... There is very little clean connection to anything that Hernandez does. Yeah. He's a okay wrestler. He is a pretty all right grappler. He is a aggressive striker. All of these things come with big gaps. If you get the drop on Hernandez in any of these spots, you can take advantage of him defensively, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. We've we've seen him get uh, crushed by Kevin Holland. We saw him get out out grappled by Marcus Perez. Yeah. You know, there are ways to take that apart. But the thing is, is that if you can't jump on one thing and take Hernandez apart with it, if you can't just style on him somewhere. Yeah. He's going to give you the most brutally hard fight you've ever had in your life. Yeah. And the thing that most, well, I mean, both guys um, stunned me and, and amazed me with this. But in that fight with Fremd, like the number of comebacks for both when they were seemingly at the brink and just absolutely exhausted from this hideously frenetic pace. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I mean, given that Fremd did that so well himself and kept coming back and just kept pushing. The fact that Hernandez was able to ultimately outlast him in that kind of fight was very impressive. It just shows that, like, when the opportunistic finish doesn't present itself, you're still going to have to deal with the fact that Hernandez is there just doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's creating all his own opportunities. Absolutely. That's the thing. When I say he's an aggressive opportunist, I mean, he is out there with aggression making you make mistakes in a fight so that he has something to jump on. And he'll be making mistakes, too. Oh, yeah. He will constantly press you to have to respond to him. Yeah. Whereas Mark Andre Barrio. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think that that's something that Mark Andre Barrio can handle, frankly. No, I mean, I still think there's kind of every chance that he he just decks Hernandez (laughs) (laughs) or or maybe, you know, hits him with a shock submission. Never seen that before, but it happened last time out. Yeah. Um. And he's going to be in there making it, you know, accepting the messy fight. But he you is do get... unholy tough. Like that, sure. 
that uh, knockout to Chidi and Jakawani aside, Barrio has otherwise been entirely noted for yeah. his how god-awfully hard it is to put him away. Yeah, first and only finish of its kind on his record. And uh, sometimes that presages a, a downfall. In this case, I, I still think we should... Uh, we should uh, lean on the side of it happened in the first 16 seconds. Sometimes yeah. that happens. Yeah. Uh, that's when you're going to catch it. Hernandez is that he, you know, he obviously he knocked the hell out of Jordan, Wright. Something that seems less and less impressive as time goes on. But uh, over, overall Hernandez can rarely do the same kind of thing twice in a way that would cause somebody to get knocked out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, he might surprise you with an uppercut because he's just coming at you with everything. But if that one punch doesn't knock you out, he's not going to be able to come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. It's all just aggression and picking something out in the moment because he thinks that that's going to be that's going to be the functional thing. Mm hmm. So Hernandez is going to be smaller is against a big, strong, powerful guy. But um, you just kind of got to feel that he's going to be in there doing wacky stuff and yeah. trying to wrestle and fighting in the clinch and doing a bizarre array of strikes. And at all times, we'll be doing Anthony Hernandez aggression. And yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, I think there's there's too many holes and, and, and not enough offensive threats in Barrios game yeah. to, to let him hang you know, past a few minutes if he can't get an early finish. Yeah, we've seen, you know, fights with Jung Young Park, mm-hmm. Andrew Sanchez, even Christoph Yatko for Barrio, where if if somebody's just taking the fight to him the whole time, mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily have the out he, he A in the UFC, he doesn't finish that many people. Yeah. Um and he just doesn't have the output to hang with somebody who's really pushing a pace on him. Yeah. So, yeah. Hernandez has lost to guys worse than Barrio. Sure. But he has also beaten guys that are markedly better than anyone Barrio's ever beaten. And the only guys he's lost to, too, are guys who could significantly outgrapple him. True. Absolutely you know? true. Who could. Uh, and even then, he beat Brendan yeah. Allen. He beat Adolfo Vieira. Like, even yeah. that's not a lock. It's not a lock. It, like I say, everything that. Hernandez does it. He does aggressively yeah. and he throws himself into it. And it, it, it can be both good and bad for him. He can beat somebody on the ground. Mm-hmm. He can beat somebody great on the ground. He can beat somebody great in wrestling scrambles. He can beat somebody great in a stand up fight. It's just, it's going to be off of chaos. Yeah. It's a razor's edge the whole time. Yeah. He's awesome. He <laughs> He's I never expected when he came into the UFC and like, just really unimpressive first few fights. I'm like, this guy's not good. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm on board. I mean, beating Jun Young Park, beating Adolfo Vieira, Josh Fram isn't like the greatest fighter, but beating him the way he did, like Hernandez is, is must see TV as far as I'm concerned. He's a thrill. All right. Uh, that brings us to the odds and where this fight, Oh, yeah, there we are. Hernandez is the favorite. Open at minus 150, dropped to minus 164, currently down at minus 175. On uh, Barrio, opened at plus 130 and is currently sitting at plus 145. So, okay. a, a slight favorite. I think, I don't know, Hernandez could be a little wider here to me just because uh, he's, you know, the guys who beat Kevin Holland and Marcus Perez, I just don't think, I don't see Barrio. Yeah being able to take her, make Hernandez pay for his mistakes the way that those two fighters could. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen Barrio lose several scraps where he's just out there getting into it with somebody. It's really only the Dolce Lungiambula fight is the first time that I've seen him go out and just be able to push, you know, punish somebody with a striking battle alone. And that, you know, that was a fight for, Munjimbula, where he's a, a pretty small middleweight and height wise, and just couldn't, you know, he didn't have any other parts to his game to push Barrio with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think this, I think this feels like a pretty good fight for Hernandez. Yeah, but. I agree. 
All right, on that note, I believe that wraps up the main card. You can find me on Twitter at DZaneSam. You can find Connor on Twitter at BoxingBush. You can find both of us over at BuddyOva.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast on BuddyOva Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. As always, the MMA Vib section is brought to you by Chris Rini's The Fine Art of Fighting. That, and you can find that over on ChrisRini.com, C-H-R-I-S-R-I-N-I.com. The Fine Art of Violence, I'm sorry. God damn it, I know, I know. If only he, you know, if you were paying me, I would really, <laughs> uh, I'd really feel bad about that. But, uh, That's right. A big screw you to Chris Rainey from Zane. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thanks everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivisection, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, and Radio-Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>